The reading is taken from Luke, chapter 4, verses 16 to 30. He went to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, and on the Sabbath day he went into the synagogue, as was his custom, and he stood up to read. The scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it is written, The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners, and recovery of sight for the blind, to release the oppressed, to proclaim the year year of the Lord's favour. Then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him, and he began by saying to them, Today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. All spoke well of him and were amazed at the gracious words that came from his lips. Isn't this Joseph's son, they asked. Jesus said to them, Surely you will quote this proverb to me. Physician, heal yourself. Do here in your hometown what we have heard that you did in Capernaum. I tell you the truth, he continued, no prophet is accepted in his hometown. I assure you that there are many widows in Israel in Elijah's time, when the sky was shut for three and a half years and there was a severe famine throughout the land. Yet Elijah was not sent to any of them, but to a widow in Zarephath, in the region of Sidon. And there were many in Israel with leprosy in the time of Elisha the prophet, yet not one of them was cleansed, only Naaman the Syrian. All the people in the synagogue were furious when they heard this. They got up, drove him out of the town, and took him to the brow of the hill on which the town was built in order to throw him down the cliff. But he walked right through the crowd and went on his way. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. And now a conversation that followed that scripture. Oh, hi, darling. How did it go at the synagogue? Oh, you know, it began all right. Oh, nothing out of the ordinary then? Well, no, no, not really. It's always nice to see one of your youngsters in the church do something, isn't it? Oh, he did a reading, did he? That's right. Yeah, lovely, clear voice. I could hear every word in the back pew. Oh, were there many? Oh, you know, the usual folk, you know, his family, of course. Oh, well, his mother must have been so proud. Well, yes. But then... Was it something he said? Well, he was reading from Isaiah. We've heard it before. I mean, it's traditional. But he made it sound sort of different. The Spirit of the Lord? The Spirit of the Lord. Yeah. Some people go on a lot about the Spirit of the Lord. You know, waving their arms around and everything. Mm. I mean, I'm sure they're sincere, but I can't be expected to be doing that at my age. Um, uh, what, What worried me more was... He has chosen me to bring good news to the poor. Chosen you? No, no, that's what the prophet said. And that's what he read, as though he meant it. And what does it mean anyway by the poor? Well, none of us are well off. We've all got to pay these terrible taxes and keep up appearances. Quite. And poor are them out there. 
The ones who don't pay taxes. Yeah, and don't care about keeping up appearances. That's right, scroungers. They have too many children. Well, what's good news to them? Us, having to cough up a bit more. Well, of course there are widows and orphans and strangers at the gate. Well, it's tragic, really. Charity, charity, that's different. It's heartwarming to give to a good cause. As I always say, darling, it is more blessed to give than to receive. Mm -hmm. And our people are ever so good at giving. But it is one appeal after another. Mm. But what's, what's the good news to the poor, for goodness sake? And what's it got to do with us? We're doing our best. Surely we're not expected to change. Did he go on? Go on? Go on, it got worse. I couldn't believe my ears. He has sent me to proclaim liberty, liberty to the captives. Sent you? Oh, keep up. No, that's what it says in Isaiah. But I always thought it was about the Messiah. Sometime in the future, a good way off. When he read it, I suddenly thought, what what if it happened now? Well, there's a lot of folk best off behind bars. There's no smoke without fire. Quite. Well, I can't see the authorities taking kindly to all this liberation talk. I just can't see the point in winding people up like that. Uh, And recovery of sight to the blind. You are. What does it mean? Well, you've never asked that before. To set the oppressed free. Who's oppressed? Them out there, that's part of the system. You've got to have people on top to give people orders and some to carry it out underneath. Yeah, but that's what keeps the world going. But who are we? Are we the oppressors or are we the oppressed? Well, no idiot's going to tell me I'm an oppressor, I'll punch him. (laughs) But why are you worrying? This is an old prophecy, it's about then and there, not here and now. Unless... Unless the time has come when the Lord will save his people. Oh, come on now. No, but that's what he said. When he finished reading and sat down, he said, this passage of scripture has come true today, as you heard it being read. I don't get it. No, nor did we. First, we was impressed, after all. We'd known him since he was knee-eye to a grasshopper. But he was right when he said we'd find it hard to understand him. Mm. All we wanted to do was to hear comforting words about God at work far away. Yes. Well, that is where God is most needed and does some of his best work. Uh, Nothing political, uh, nothing that makes you feel guilty or got at. Although you might be tempted to do a special offering for a good cause. Mm -hmm. But, But he was bringing it all home. And then having the cheek to tell us that we're only on the edge of what God is doing. You must have been livid. We'd had enough. We showed him just what we thought of his good news. We have a way of dealing with folk who dare to say we're in God's way. Yeah, right, right. And then what did Jesus do? He went on his way. He just went on his way. Now Barbara's going to read our second reading and then James will speak to us. The second reading is taken from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 7, commencing at verse 24. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, 
The streams rose and the winds blew and beat against that house. Yet it did not fall, because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. When Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching, because he taught as one who had authority, and not as their teachers of the law. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray as we sit. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you are indeed the great teacher. And we pray that as we uh, listen uh, to your word again, that you would be teaching us this morning and showing us the way that you want us to go. In Jesus' name, amen. A couple of pictures for you to have a look at. Anybody got any idea what the connection might be between those two pictures? Gold, yes? Um, who's, the, who's the lady on, on, on the left? Liz, Lizzie Arnold, who's won us, I think it's called a skeleton, what a dreadful name, a skeleton gold medal uh, at the Winter Olympics. And uh, on the right is a gold post box, um, which uh, they are, uh, well, w- w- during the London Olympics, every time somebody won a gold medal, the uh, Royal Mail said they could have a, a, one of the post boxes in their hometown, could be painted gold. And uh, so the people of West Kingsdown, where Lizzie Yarnold comes from, would like to have a post box painted gold. But uh, the Royal Mail have said no, because it's only for the 2012 Olympics. They're not very pleased about that, because they're very proud of Lizzie Yarnold and all that she's achieved, and they'd like to have it recognised in some way. And so I heard that, you may have heard this too, that some chap got up in the middle of the night and decided to spray paint uh, one of the red ones gold. Uh, he didn't make a very good job of it, and there's lots of red still showing through. But anyway, um, there's a great deal of pride, isn't there, in small-town communities when one of their favourite sons uh, comes to fame. And it was the same in Nazareth in that uh, 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 reading and the little piece afterwards from Guy and Keir. Um, uh, when Jesus came back and read from the Isaiah scroll, this is what Luke reported afterwards. All spoke well of him and were amazed at the gracious words that came from his lips. And yet, within a few minutes, the mood of praise and celebration turned into one of anger and attempted murder. So, so what actually had happened? I can't help feeling that to begin with, they hardly noticed what he said. Um, they were paying, if you like, I suspect, more attention to the messenger than they were to the message. And after he'd quoted those wonderful words from uh, Isaiah 61, which, uh, uh, as Kia pointed out in the little sketch, everyone knew referred to the coming of God's Messiah... Jesus said this, Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. And no one seemed to notice this outrageous claim that he was making. Not to begin with, anyway. 
But then he went on, didn't he? And told them that the great Old Testament prophets like Elijah uh, and Elisha were also rejected by their hometown people. And they realized then what he was saying. How dare Joseph's son claim to be the Messiah, to be someone of even greater importance than Elijah and Elisha. And so they ran him out of town and tried to kill him. Now, there are many people out there in our world who will say he was the greatest moral teacher that the world has ever known. But like the people of Nazareth, they cannot accept that he is more than that. They overlook that he is perhaps Uh, what was perhaps the most striking feature of his teaching. It was incredibly egocentric. He was so frequently talking about himself. This sets him apart from other great religious teachers of the world, and especially from the rabbis of his own time. They pointed away from themselves. That is the truth, they would say, as far as I perceive it, Go and follow that teaching. But Jesus never said anything like that. What he did, in effect, was to say, I am the truth. Follow me. So, for example, these well-known words, Come to me, all you who labour and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And if you've ever read through the Gospels, you'll know about the seven I am sayings in John's Gospel. I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am the resurrection and the life, and so on. And if you know the Sermon on the Mount, then you'll know how again and again Jesus reinterpreted the Old Testament uh, scriptures. Uh, Half a dozen times you have heard that it was said, but I say to you. So, for example, you have heard that it was said that you shall do no murder, but I say to you, do not be angry with your brother. I say to you. And you'll know how often Jesus used to emphasise what he was going to say with these words, truly, truly, I say to you. Jesus was, was a rabbi. His friends and even his enemies called him rabbi. But he wasn't like other rabbis. When trying to work out the correct interpretation of the scriptures, they would often quote the great rabbis of the past. But Jesus never did that. This pointed use of the word I with the repeated truly, truly, or verily, verily that I mentioned a few moments ago, that comes 75 times in the Gospels, um, including that one down there. Truly, truly, I say to you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless he is born again. We had that, uh, Debbie quoted that one last week uh, in our service on Jesus, the listener. And what Jesus is saying is, I know about the human heart. I know about forgiveness. I know about money. I know about worry. I know about temptation. And I know the only way to God. For someone who was so humble in his relationships, he was remarkably confident in his convictions. 
So what was Jesus like? Well, the picture I put up just now is perhaps the greatest teacher that I ever knew. He was a mathematician like me. But unlike me, he was a gifted and highly acclaimed applied mathematician. He taught in universities and colleges. But that's not how I knew him. I knew him because he was my father. His students looked up to him with affection and admiration. But for me, as someone struggling with maths at school and at university, he was just a great teacher. He made complex ideas understandable and he communicated the love of mathematics to me and to all whom he taught. You have to understand that I'm just a little bit biased. But I'd like you to listen now to a man called John Beverly Nichols, what he said about Jesus' teaching. Nichols was an author, a playwright, a poet, and a journalist. He wrote lots of books, and the ones that are best known are actually about gardening. But he also wrote about religion. And here's what he said. You cannot deny, talking about Jesus, you cannot deny the reality of this character. Somebody said, the Sabbath is made for man, not man for the Sabbath. Somebody said, for what shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Somebody said, suffer the little children to come to me and forbid them not, for such is the kingdom of God. Somebody said, how hardly shall they that have riches enter the kingdom of God? And somebody said, all they that take the sword shall perish with the sword. Somebody said these things, he said, Nichols said, because they are staring me in the face at the moment from the Bible. So Jesus was a great teacher. But what was his method and what sort of response did he get? His methods were astonishing. He never wrote a book and he never spoke from notes as I'm doing now. So how did the people remember what he said so that we have it here in front of us in our Bibles today? The experts reckon that the things that he said were so striking, so memorable, that they just couldn't forget them. And of course he used stories, parables, like the one in our second reading today, which came at the end of that great Sermon on the Mount. The unforgettable story of the wise man and the foolish man who built houses on the rock and the sand. And here's how it begins. Everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. Notice again, these words of mine. Again, pointing to himself. And the response of those listening to Jesus, uh, hearing the Sermon on the Mount for the first time, was this in the last verse. The crowds were amazed at his teaching because he taught as one who had authority. They were amazed at his teaching. They recognised immediately that it was different and that what he had to say was incredibly important and relevant to their lives. Now, going back to the verse I quoted a moment ago, something that's very important I've put in a different colour there. Not only did he tell them that they should hear his words, 
but that they should also put them into practice. I wonder if you know that there are some eminent theologians and Bible scholars who don't follow Jesus, who are not Christians. They just teach about him. I don't think the Lord would have had much truck with them. They've heard the words, but they don't put them into practice. Now, you all recognised, or most of you, I think, Lizzie Yarnold a few moments ago, but I suspect you won't recognise this lady. She was born Elizabeth Gurney over 200 years ago. Then she married Joseph Fry when she was 20. Elizabeth Fry was a Quaker. And at the age of 33, she visited Newgate Prison in London. She was so struck by the terrible state of the prison. And at once, it brought to mind, to her mind, these words from Jesus' teaching. Matthew 25. Then the king will say to those on his right, I was in prison, and you came to visit me. And it goes on. Truly, truly, I say to you, whatever you did for the least of these my brothers, you did it for me. And so Elizabeth Fry got to work and organised teams of people to visit women in prisons, read the Bible to them and teach them to sew. She became known as the Angel of Prisons and her work led to Parliament passing the Prison Act in 1823 and that transformed the way that prisons were run. Everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice. One other thing I want to say about Jesus' teaching is how original it was. But a lot of scholars actually say that this isn't true and they point out correctly that much of it can be found in the teaching of the rabbis from before Jesus. But that's only true to a certain extent. Take, for example, that occasion when Jesus was asked what was the greatest of all the commandments. And you'll remember how he replied. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind. And you probably know that that's a quotation from the Old Testament. So it wasn't original. But did you know that Jesus added one phrase that's not there in Deuteronomy? The bit at the end, with all your mind. Loving God with all our mind. Sometimes, though, I'm surprised at how Christians today ignore that last phrase. We strive to love God with all our heart and all our soul and all our strength. But we leave our mind behind. I wonder, is your knowledge and understanding of the Christian faith still stuck where it was years ago when you were a child. We're rightly concerned that our children and young people grow up shaped by the teaching of Jesus. And yet we can easily neglect our own growth in this area. I'd love to encourage you to deepen that part of your Christian life so that you become more and more amazed at the wonder of all that God has done for us. 
and motivated to engage in Christian service. So how might that happen? How can we grow in our knowledge of all that Jesus taught, allowing God to speak to us and help us to live in a more Christ-like way? It can happen on our own, through the practice of regular Bible reading, or listening to podcasts, Bible podcasts, on the train as we go to and from London. It can happen as we meet together with others in a home group, reading the Bible together and encouraging and supporting one another. We're having a great time in the group that I belong to at the moment, uh, digging out the relevance of the book of Acts for our lives today. And we're all growing and recommitting ourselves to follow the way of Christ. Or if that sounds a bit scary, did you know that the church has started uh, what we call a, a nurture group to help those for whom the Bible is an unknown book, to help them to explore the amazing teaching of Christ. Now, if any of these uh, things sound interesting to you, please could you have a word with me or maybe with Debbie next week? How amazing it would be if more and more of us here, we became people uh, who uh, loved the Lord with our minds as well as with our hearts. So this is what I've been trying to say. Jesus, the teacher, he was original in his teaching. He was memorable in the way he said it, using parables and other memorable phrases. He was authoritative and, yes, egocentric, perhaps in the best sense of that word. But now I'm going to finish. I'd just like you to try and imagine something. One day, a carpenter left his shop and began to teach. What would the history of the world have been like if he had decided not to change his career? Imagine if he had stayed in his shop. There would have been no teaching ministry, no crucifixion or resurrection, no rise of the church, no New Testament, no Elizabeth Fry, no William Wilberforce, no Martin Luther King, no Tear Fund or Christian Aid, no Mother Teresa, and no caring for the children of Uganda. The reason why Oxford and Cambridge universities were founded simply never would have existed. It's a mark of the impact of Jesus and his teaching that this scenario is quite simply unimaginable. And so let us pray together. Our loving Lord, Help us to be people of the book, knowing and loving all that you have taught. And we pray too that you would help us to apply what we learn to the way that we live our lives in your service. For your name's sake. Amen.